being a yes man, yes woman, like, who wants to be that, you know? <laughs> I want to be honest, and I want to be true, and I want to be transparent. I'm okay if I don't make everybody happy. That's fine. Especially being in the hospitality industry, I feel like we often feel like, yeah, the customer is always right, and like, to a certain degree, they are. There's also just things I can and cannot do, and things that I will not do. That's Monique Seau. I'm Kara Duffy, and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast. I like having people on the podcast who like know how to handle business. Mm -hmm. And that's what you know how to do. You know how to handle business. The first time I met you, I was like, it's just handled. This is like, it's not, I don't have a lot of people that I have worked with in my life who show up and just have things handled and are done. And I'm like, okay, we're on the same page. I love this. I get to do what I have to do. You've handled what you said you would handle. Like it's such a rare, amazing treat to be like, oh damn, you got this. Amazing. So <laughs> of course. So before I keep bragging about you and handling shit, let's tell everyone who you are, where you are and what you're up to. Great. Um, thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. The Capricorn in me is like, yes, order and like grounding and all the organizing. Um, so my name is Monique Xiao. I am a event uh, manager in all areas of my life. Um, I work for Soho Housing Co. at their co-working space, Soho Works. Um, I manage all of their locations at um, in New York City. Um, and on the side, I produce even more events. Um, my background is actually in festivals. That's where I started. So large scale music festivals. Um, and I just honestly help people like with their visions and help them come to life. That's, that's pretty much what I do. <laughs> Me too. I feel that. Yep. It's, <laughs> you know, what, what made you want to help other people have their visions come to life versus create something yourself? Mm. Honestly, it's been a very interesting journey. And I, I, I got, um, I think I got my, my first experience in event produ production through producing events for myself. So I went to school for music. Um, and so I would throw on my own shows and my own performances. And all of my friends was like, how are you doing this? And I'm like, oh, like, tell me what your idea is and I'll get you funding for it and we'll go do it. And like... That's it. And so it kind of started with me producing events for myself, my recitals, my um, performances. I had like a band back in the day in college and in high school. Um, and that's where it started. And I think people have really great ideas, but they don't always know how to execute them. And I have learned over the course of many years on how to execute them and paying attention to detail. Uh, and it's been a really great journey because I get to really see a final product and see how things like come into fruition. And sometimes it's like a one month long journey. Sometimes it's a, like two weeks notice. Sometimes it's five months in advance where we're like planning out like large scale events and to kind of come in and, and see how the audience reacts, um, how important the conversations are. And then also from, you know, working with people like you who I get to collaborate with, um, seeing them be like, wow, thank you so much for providing me the space. Like, it's just been nice to kind of have a full picture of all things. And 
I've done events where I've relied on other people and I'm just like, I should have just done this myself. And so that's <laughs> kind of where I've stepped in because I'm just like, I, I understand the importance of coming in and wanting things to be the way that they need to be. And I, and I think, um, especially if you're an artist, you have to kind of do all those things by yourself sometimes. Well, yeah. it just, it gives me a sense of pride that my intuition was on point when I knew that I'm like, I'm like, no, she gets at a different level. And it's true because I often will describe myself as someone who knows how to actually make something from nothing. And mm-hmm. I heard you just say that yourself, like, you know how to make something from nothing and the details and what matters and what people are actually going to notice versus not. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes people who are creative, but don't have some of the planning analytical side to their, in their brain, they get really wrapped up in the detail that no one's going to notice and forget like, oh, we need bathrooms or (laughs) where are people going to sit or where are they going to put their drink down? Yeah. (laughs) Or like, you know, if you're going to be doing this thing, you actually need two hours to set up, not 30 minutes, right? You think you can sometimes come in and you know, and so it's been really nice to especially be um, in a smaller scale setting where I'm producing events for 60 to 100 people and being able to see different like layouts and formats and suggest it to, you know, the people that I'm working with and say, oh, this is what you're thinking of. Have you thought about this? Like, this would be a great way to activate the space. And it just allows a lot for like playfulness. Right. And and reminding people like, you are the only one who knows what the vision is originally, and it's okay if it changes. And events, it's like you can plan, 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 but there will always be something that goes awry. And I think some people will be very uneasy about that. But if you're in that space all the time, it's just like, it's okay. Like, we'll pivot. And it's not the end of the world. The only person who knows that it didn't work is you. Like, that's all it is. And um, just reminding people um, yeah, pay attention to the detail, but like, let's be flexible. We can pivot and it's still going to be just as impactful and just as wonderful. So, yeah. Well, that happened to the event where I got to finally meet you in person. Cause, um, we, you co-hosted an, a conversation about creatives in the fashion space who had started yeah. their own business at Soho works, the Dumbo J location. And we, one of our panelists got stuck in traffic mm-hmm unexpectedly. And so I was like, so we can't start the conversation yet. So Monique, would you mind talking about the space we're in now? Like, how do we entertain people in the meantime? You're like, no problem. And I was like, oh my God, thank God. I'm like, cause I can make up more shit in the meantime, but this is something real that we can actually do to benefit the space. So it was just so easy. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm just, it, it's why I'm, looking forward to doing more things there because you made it so great and everyone who came was so excited to be there and the Mm -hmm. space is amazing so people have heard of soho house they haven't necessarily sort of heard of soho work so what's the difference are they related are they not what can people get at soho works okay great this is my favorite part Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um soho works we are the workspaces to the houses um so if you're familiar with Soho House it's very social but often just that and you know people use it like it's a cafe shop they want to work from the space but we have a lot of house rules as they say sorry um we have a lot of uh house rules as they say um and so you have to run to the elevator to take a call because you can't take a call wherever you like um you have to close your laptops after a certain time 
um, you, before you know it, like the lights are dim, a DJ is performing and like you got no work done. So the workspaces were created um, at the beginning of 2020, um, at least for our U.S. locations. Um, and we closed seven weeks later due to COVID, but we've been back and kind of thriving. Um, we produced two or three events a week um, across all three locations. We have 10J and 55 Water in Dumbo, and then we have 875 Washington in Meatpacking. We also have one location in LA and five in the UK and counting. <laughs> um, but I, you know, activate the space by partnering with lovely people from our communities, everyone from our members, um, both Soho Work, Soho House members, um, and then people who are just doing really dynamic work like yourself. So um, we do workshops, panels, um, and it's just an, a space for creatives and entrepreneurs to come in, um, get some work done, and then also attend workshops that are very fitting for the small businesses that they're trying to build or um, the industries that they're trying to tap into. Um, it's just a little bit more conducive to collaboration and, and networking. Um, we have complimentary teas, coffees. Um, we have meeting rooms available for, for booking. We also have complimentary podcast equipment. It's honestly like a one-stop shop for creatives to come in and do their work that they need to do. So it's been great to support that. Well, that's what made me so excited when Britt was like, I know the space, I know the person, because there's so many values that Soho Works have that are throughout my businesses as well. We work with creatives and entrepreneurs. We want people to connect. We want people to collaborate. And we want to just help people get to where they want to go faster and easier. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, it was the whole experience was like a 10 out of 10. And then having it was also great. So it's so nice to find partners like that because there are so many people that make it hard to connect and hard to collaborate. And so finding spaces, especially in New York right now, like there's so many statistics about how the majority of the U.S. has bounced back from the pandemic, but New York, I think, is only operating at like 60% like revenue wow. generation still. There's like the leasing, like there's so many things that New York is still rebuilding. So to be able mm -hmm. to help the people who are trying to get things mm -hmm. done in the city, like it is a hard place to run a business, though there's so many opportunities. It is such a hard city. And I'm I'm like, and I feel like people are like, is New York the same anymore? Because a lot of our our gems, like you walk around neighborhoods, not all the places that you know were here a couple of years ago are here. And I think it's important. And I think also like there's been such a a huge shift culturally. I think people are redefining if they want to stay at their nine to fives, right? A lot of a lot of folks quit their jobs, got laid off during the pandemic um, and are entering new fields that they imagined of. And it's kind of like, listen, I only live once. I don't want to work for anybody. I want to work for myself. I want to build my brand. I want to do these things. I want to do podcasts. I want to like everybody's creating. It's such a, a exciting time. And I think an experimental time for people. So to be able to collaborate with people, um, to see them grow. And it's, and it's nice to see people grow in, 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 business size here and and also in terms of like having launch parties here for their brands and it's just really nice to see companies grow and individuals grow and really support that um because i think we forget like you know small businesses need love and this is what is sorry <laughs> this is what's making the world go around so yeah <laughs> well and and in the u.s a small business is anything under 40 million in revenue a year really yeah which i i'm like we need to redefine this because if like, that's what? yeah, if that's small, then we've got like mini, micro, super micro, 
What are these big businesses making is my question. (laughs) Exactly. Well, and like, so if, if the small business association considers it 40 million or less, the average business owner in the U.S. who's like one person by themselves is only making $48,000 a year. So there's such a huge discrepancy between what the average person is generating on their own uh, versus like what we consider a small business. And so that's part of like my mission of the tools that are traditionally given to people to start a business are not the ones that you need to go from zero to like half a million or zero to a million. It's a very different approach because um, even to get to just replacing your income, how do you do that? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and we're actually doing like an event later on next month that's around like financial literacy for small businesses because we forget about that too, right? Like, yes. how do you plan for your year? Like, you know, in your spending slow seasons versus, you know, I come from a space of gig economy. I, I, I started in freelance, right, with a lot of the events that I produced and there are slow seasons. So how do you plan for that as a small business versus like your busier seasons? How do you make sure you're taking advantage of all the the information for your taxes? Like all of these things are so important as you're building. And I think, again, people have really great ideas, right? But like when you look at the details, you got to make sure that you have those those resources. So, so it's nice to also just connect people to things that they haven't thought of and being like, yeah, you know, like, we're having a conversation this evening about um, DEI and like, especially during COVID, um, you know, there was such a huge social and civil change. We all had to stop and like really think about what are the basic needs um, that we're providing for ourselves, but then also mm-hmm. what are companies doing to provide that for their employees, right? So, you know, just really interesting conversations to tap into that I'm learning a lot from too. So it's cool. Yeah. No, I mean, everything that you guys post, I'm like, oh. why am I not there right now? Um, But I want to come back to you. So did you grow up in New York? I'm born and raised in Brooklyn. Love it. (laughs) And then what type of music were you playing? Oh, um, in high school. So firstly, like um, my dad is, was a DJ um, back in the day. So I grew up on vinyls, heavy, heavy, heavy. Um, He was here like in the seventies and the eighties, like just, with his fro DJ at local <laughs> clubs. Like I've seen some, like we had a disco ball in our house. Like we still have turntables in our house. That was his thing. So I love like oldies. I love jazz. I love funk. I love um, rock and roll. That's what I grew up on. Um, I went to school for for music and trained in jazz specifically. Um, in high school, I did a lot of rock music. Um, and in college, it was very much like funk and soul. Um, and I sing, I sing a lot of funk and soul, I'll say, and like a lot of R&B. Those are my favorites. Um, yeah, it's been quite a journey. Ever so often, someone will ask me to like hop on a, on a recording or, um, you know, perform at something local. And so it's been nice to kind of also tap back into that space. Definitely need to do it more often. I think I'm a little, a little shy sometimes about, about, um, performing, but I, I still kind of tap back into it when I can. Yeah. How has your love for music changed how you look at the world? Wow. I mean, music is just, it's such a huge connector. Like I think about the music that I listen to that I don't even understand like the language of and, you know, but I'm like, this sounds amazing from, you know, all the instrumentation and just how, you know, it just crosses 
so many borders, right, for people. Um, and it's such a huge connector. And um, my first gig, right, was because I was studying music and um, I used to work at this festival, which was like the largest festival in New York City at the time, or one of the largest. And it was because I was just studying like music and how it heals traumas and how it heals like a lot of, and it, how we have very tough conversations through music. Um, and it's very metaphoric because yes, I love music and it's changed my life, but literally it was an entry point to the industry that I'm in right now. Um, so there's so many ways that I, I thank music for, and it's just, you know, nothing like going to a concert and like seeing your favorite artist live, nothing like discovering a new artist live. Um, and just, there's just so much beauty out there. And I think it kind of reminds you that we're all very human and having a lot of human experiences and people are speaking about a lot of similar things. It's it's really mm -hmm. beautiful. I totally get what you mean about being obsessed with music that you don't understand the lyrics to. I love French hip hop and I like have recently fallen back into like a black hole of that space. I've been going down the Spotify web Ow. and I'm like, I have no idea what they're saying, but this song but is it's so good. Exactly. <laughs> like it's just so there's like a song by um Snarky, Snarky Puppy is one of these bands who like collaborates with all these different kinds of vocalists and they're French speaking, they're Spanish speaking. And I'm like, I don't know what they're saying, but like the music is just so like, you know, enamoring. So it's definitely a beautiful thing. And I think it also just shows you like. It just everybody's doing their part and we're coming up with a beautiful thing together. Like there's there's a lot of beauty in that. Right. Every every instrument matters every vocal matters and we're, we're creating a beautiful project together so that's nice when you moved into the event space and planning things yeah did were you surprised at how you tapped into a part of you that you weren't using the same way in music like did you know that you were this organized and detail-oriented was it a natural step or were you like oh i didn't know i could do that oh um i feel like it was a slow discovery. Um, and I think, I think it wasn't until like some of my community was asking me like, how'd you do that? Or like, Hey, did you ever think about doing this? And, and I was just like, Oh yeah, I'll help you with that. I'll help you produce this. And then I was just like, I'm actually really freaking good at this. <laughs> and you know, I'm not perfect. There's things that, you know, product management is, is its own beast, which I'm sure you understand as well. Um, but I think, I like, I think I've always had this saying of like, I don't necessarily want to be famous for what I, who I am, but I want to be famous for like what I do. And if you know, you know, Yeah. Um, like if I, if I ever were to be famous, like I, I want people to know that they're getting a really great experience. I mean, they may not know who did it or what's going on, but like they had a good time when they left and it just, I think it's, it's still, it's still kind of, um, another another lens into like performing like I just want people to walk away with a, a really good experience so it kind of it does kind of feel similar you know you want people to walk away feeling good and um I know what I feel like when I produce something I'm like wow that went really well and I know what I feel like when I produce something and I'm like oh that actually could have been a lot better um you know and um yeah I think I'm able to just tap into 
a lot of the details that people don't normally see. And it's it's nice to be able to have that eye and be able to share that with people. And I, and I love hearing that, like you starting off with that feedback of like, I had a great experience and everything was done. I'm like, yeah, you're the talent. Like, I don't want people to forget that like, <laughs> you're the talent. Like you're here to co-host, but you're here to come in and, you know, we're collaborating on this, but like, this is your show and I want to just make sure you're comfortable mm-hmm. in the space. So, um, cause I know I, as a performer, that's what I like to do. I like to come in and feel comfortable, you know? So, yeah. Well, and similar to you, I'm so used to having to produce it all myself. Mm-hmm. And when you're in that space, you, it's hard to remember to go through the mental checklist to be ready to perform. Mm-hmm. Like I have to remember like, okay, who, cause I have to then as a host, in that performance seat, I have to remember to create the space for everyone who shows up and to create the space for all the panelists. And then remember like, okay, what am I committed to? Why are we here? What are the objectives? Do I have a drink? Have I used the bathroom? Like, (laughs) Have you eaten, right? Like, did you have some water this morning? Like, take care. (laughs) Yeah. And like, like I like do that same thing. It's like, it's the next level of creating the space because I'm the one interacting with all the people there. And Mm -hmm. it's, I think it's easy also for people who go be- between those roles of like being the per- performer or the host and being the producer that having to like ask your team to remember like today I'm the talent and mm. in an hour I'll be back to being the CEO, but right now I'm the talent. So you got this. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. You have to rely on your team. I, I, I think that's a huge one too. It's, it's of course, like as you're building your brand, you're like sometimes a solo, oftentimes a solo yeah person and you're relying on your friends to support you right like but yeah you I feel like especially if you are collaborating with someone and it's a strategic partnership you got to come in and things got to be right because then people are not going to want to work with you and there has to be you only get one time to make an impression so if the impression is that oh she you know she was moody today or she was being a little you know crazy or like aggressive or angry or she just was off today like people are not going to want to work with you or you know same thing with the venue like you know managing all these locations if people don't like the experience that they get they don't want to come back you know and Mm -hmm. thankfully that hasn't been the case for me but it's because you have to make sure that that's the mindset I have in mind where I'm just like let's talk through things let's make sure you have what you need and let's make sure that the show that we're p- putting on together is good, you know? Um, and yeah. So yeah, you're the talent. You have to remember that, <laughs> you know, like, I'll be a CEO later, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and I really hear your commitment to not just the moment of the experience, but the compounding experiences that you're putting on and what that how that's establishing the brand that is Soho Works and Soho House. Mm-hmm. Because they all have to get layered on to be like, look at this value. Look at who comes to the table here. Yeah. There's yeah. been a lot of conversations I've been having lately about who's in your circle and who do you let pass the velvet rope? Because mm-hmm. we want to be around other people who are thinking the way we are and rising together and and like just doing the things that actually matter. Um, and it's so easy to, most people in the world are not operating in the, anything is possible. How do we make it happen space? Mm -hmm. But when you're surrounded by people who are, it's a completely different experience of everything. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And like, that's why sometimes, you know, again, people have really great ideas, but you don't may not know how to execute. So I may say like, listen, 
maybe we can't bring in 300 people in here, but let's bring in 100. And here's how we're going to do that. And here's how it's going to be just as beautiful and just as impactful. Mm -hmm. And it's like this idea of of being flexible and, um, yeah, like not being a gatekeeper either, right? I feel like I'm always going to talk to everyone. Um, And believe it or not, again, I think of myself as a very shy person. But um, now I'm in a space where like, I can talk to anybody and I just never know where something might go. And so it's never a no. Maybe it's not not right now. Maybe it's not, you know, maybe it's not with Soho Soho Works, but it's with the houses. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's not with the houses, but it's with Soho Works, you know? And so there's, um, and sometimes it's even like, again, I have a, a network outside of this. I think in the event space, um, you're a connector often too, right? Mm-hmm. Like I had an event yesterday. It was an amazing turnout. Um, the person that I was working with um, ended up having some people fall who were going to be a panel. They ended up falling out. Um, and it was a conversation about songwriting. Um, and we ended up featuring a really lovely artist who like has worked with Bootsy Collins and Major Blige and is a bass player and like all around powerful, badass lady, like could also be on this podcast, obviously. Um, and he, he was just like, I just need two other people. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to connect you with somebody who I know is in the music space. They might be able to recommend some other people, but also like if we don't get two other people, it's fine. Like she's dynamic in her own. It'll be a great conversation. Um, And reminding people that like, again, you have a vision, but it's okay to pivot. And here I am connecting you. And like, yes, they could have also given you two other people, but like, it's okay if that's not the case. Um, And not gatekeeping and being like, oh, we're just going to cancel this. Or like, this is not what you promised me. Like, no, these, this is again, it's events. Like things change where people, things happen and it ended up being an amazing turnout and it was such a lovely conversation and everyone was super, super nice, um, which is always a plus too. Um, and so, yeah, like I just will always talk to somebody and this was somebody who I just got connected with randomly and found out he's an amazing songwriter for some of the, the some of my favorite R&B artists. And so I just feel like sometimes when you get to a certain place, you may kind of, again, like gatekeep, but I just think like, you know, in this industry, everybody knows everyone, talk to people, connect them. Like it's important to be a resource, especially if you're a woman. Like, I feel like sometimes we can be considered being aggressive, you know, if we're asking for too much or if we're being very like authoritative, people can consider that as being aggressive, but it's like, let's connect and like uplift each other. And if not me, maybe it's somebody else. And, you know, like we're a community, we're all doing the same work and have the same common goals. Yeah. Well, that's a perfect segue to me asking, <laughs> what is a powerful lady to you? Oh, a powerful lady to me is someone who's very self-aware of both their strengths and their weaknesses. Um, someone who leans into their community, who listens to their community. Um, someone who practices self-care in the midst of all the amazing dynamic things that um, they're doing. Um, Someone who is not afraid to ask for help. Someone who is not afraid to do something new um, and to take risks. Um, And someone who's also not afraid to teach. You know, I think sometimes, again, we can kind of be a little on our high horses sometimes when we get to some place. And I think about, you know, what I would tell my younger self or like the many amazing 
powerful ladies I've had as mentors myself. And they always kind of grabbed my hand and was like, hey, like, I got something to teach you over here, um, you know, passing it on. So those those are what I think about powerful ladies. And I've, I've been blessed to have a lot of mentors and my, my mom, my my grandmother, who's like influenced a lot of of the bluntness that I may have and <laughs> um, the, the authoritative uh, side that I can have and also the creative part of me too. So, yeah. If we go back to eight-year-old you, would she have imagined that this is your life today? Absolutely not. I wanted to be like a teacher and then I wanted to be a lawyer. So this is just not that at all. <laughs> <laughs> like not this at all, you know? And um, I always just kind of think, yeah, I, th- I think I think she would have she would have known that she would that I would have been creative because I was the young girl who always sang at every single like school performance and all those things. But I don't think she I don't think she would have realized how the art would continue to play a role in her life, just maybe in a different in a different way. Yeah. What do you think eight year old you is proud of about you today? that I'm someone who I'm somebody who is just open to growth and like taking risks. If you like, again, I'm a shy person and so much of my life has just forced me to be very front facing and I'm like surprisingly, again, pretty okay with it. <laughs> pretty good at it. I want to say I'm like as like comfortable all the time, but the fact that like I'm I'm okay with shining a little brighter. I feel like when I was younger, I was someone who was a little timid and didn't want to take up space. Mm-hmm. I'm learning how to be open and like take up space and be unapologetic about that. So I think she would be very proud of that. It's there's something so beautiful about knowing that you deserve the space that you are already taking up mm. and it's okay to take a little bit more too. Mm. Ugh, that is a big one. You know, I think getting into the event space and, and sometimes even working with like high profile people, you, you, I kind of, I think we all kind of experience imposter syndrome sometimes. Um, sure. and I have to like remind myself and my community, I, I I'm so grateful for my people around me because they remind me like you've been doing this work like this is just another step to what you've been doing um and so sometimes I'm even like even if I don't feel like it I'm gonna fake it till I make it and I always come on the other side of that and so it's it's nice to to be reminded yeah like to your point take up that space and like you you're doing that and you're fully capable of doing that yeah my sister and I had an interesting conversation lately about like fitting in versus belonging. Mm. And my perspective is always like, I belong in whatever room or table I'm at. I might not fit in, but I belong there. And we can figure out the rest from there. Like, it's, I think you Mm. said fake it till you make it. And I think people think that that means I have no idea what the hell I'm doing, but I'm doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. But I think often what it more means is I don't believe I'm supposed to be here yet but I'm going to do it anyway. Because usually we know how to do most of it. Yes. (laughs) We just haven't given ourselves permission to like take that on, like take that title or 
we don't believe it for ourselves yet. So it's like, instead of faking it till we make it, it's like, I'm going to pretend that I believe it. Until I really believe it. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And it's like, it's crazy because, you know, you get hired for all these gigs or you get all these opportunities and obviously someone is seeing something in you, right? So you're like, yeah, of course I deserve to be here. But we often know we're our hardest critics. We don't often see that of ourselves. Um, and I've, I've, I have a tattoo that's one of, from my, one of my favorite um, feminists, my favorite Black feminist. And her name is Audre Lorde. And it's like, your silence will not protect you. Like, almost like you, you're, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Right. That's like, such a powerful statement. You Your know, silence will not protect you. you. Like you can sit there and say, well, if I'm quiet and I put my head down, then like no one's going to bother me or like I'll you know be getting by. And it's like that's not going to protect you. Someone can, you know, still say something. So why not just speak up and like be present and, and live life to the fullest and be as vocal as you can? Because it, silence is not going to to protect you, not in the ways that you think. So that's something I always remind myself of. I'm going to be taking that with me to a lot of other people in a lot of places. So thank you for passing that quote on. <laughs> it it says so many things. Like we could probably spend an hour just unpacking that quote. Um, because it's true for when we're silent for ourselves, silent for other people, you know, thinking that we're being the good girl or mm-hmm. the polite person. And it's like, Polite and good are so overrated in regards to actually making things work and doing what's right. Yeah, absolutely. And being a yes man, yes woman, like, who wants to be that? You know, (laughs) I want to be honest and I want to be true and I want to be transparent. And I, and I, um, I'm okay if I don't make everybody happy, right? Like, that's fine. It's, it's it's interesting, especially being in the hospitality industry. I feel like we often feel like, yeah, the customer is always right. And like to a certain degree, they are. But there's also just things I can and cannot do and things that I will not do. Um, yeah. But it doesn't mean that, you know, I don't care about your needs. But again, we got to pivot. We got to shift. We got to be flexible. So I'm going to speak up about the things that can and cannot be done, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think there's a big difference as well between the customer is always right versus the customer is feeling whatever they're feeling and that's Mm -hmm. accurate to them. Mm -hmm. Like those are, I think that's where it gets there. We don't have to say yes to all their demands, but we do need to acknowledge what they're feeling because they're feeling it. And it didn't, it's all expectations. Like they're upset because their expectation wasn't met. That is a huge one. Managing people's expectations. It's such a huge one in this role. It's like, uh, you know, again, people come in, they're like, we're going to move this and we're going to move that. And we're going to, I'm like, oh, I can't move that. <laughs> can only move this. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, it's just a lot of managing people's expectations. And it's again, like, tell me what you want to do. And I will tell you what we can and cannot. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it doesn't mean that the service that you're going to get, is going to be any, like anything bad, but like, mm-hmm. we got to just make sure we're being, we're being realistic. You know, that's a big one. Yeah. So you have an important day job. You have important uh, side hustles that also can take up a lot of time and space when they're, you know, happening and in their zone. And you still have a whole other life. So how are you balancing it? How are you doing that self-care for yourself? What are you doing when you're not making everyone else's world work better? Ooh, um, I could be a lot better at this. Um, I could be a lot better. At this. 
Um, I do think that, and you probably feel this way too, talking to people all day and interacting with people um, all day, you feel like, first, like my social media is gone. Like by the end of the day, after talking to people via Zoom, after hosting hundreds of people, it's exhausting, you know? Um, And so for me, I just kind of retreat into myself. I feel like the weekends used to be the time that I'm like out and about a lot. And now I'm in a space where like, I'm like, I just need one day where I just don't leave my house. And that's kind of been like the thing that I'm trying to do more of. Um, I watch and listen to a lot of true crime. That is my guilty pleasure. <laughs> Things that I can do. Um, it's really, it's really problematic. Um, and then I also um, focus on having like one-on-one time with my friends. I feel like I don't do that well with big crowds anymore and like parties, but I'll do like a date with my friend, uh, a friend or two, and like we'll go out to eat and like genuinely catch up and we'll go out to the museum and genuinely catch up. So more like small experiences where I get to still stay connected to my friends. Um, and then my friends are super understanding, thankfully, and so is my family. So sometimes just like, I do not have it today. And they're like, that's fine. Especially if it's like festival season. I'm like, I'm gone. You're not going to see me for the next month. Love you guys so much. I'll see you when I get up and out from air (laughs) so um it's nice to also have people who are around you and will support you and kind of remind you like do your thing um and then I try to like journal in the morning um therapy is a huge thing for me so I I go to therapy every week to kind of ground myself as well um and lately I'm trying to have my mornings back I feel like there was a point where I was just like going, 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 um, and like not cooking as often and doing all these things. I'm like, you know, you need to like wake up a little earlier and take this time in your morning and like, not just like hop out of bed and like go to work. (laughs) And now I'm just like, okay, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to make myself a cup of coffee. I'm going to make myself some breakfast. I'm going to sit down and and journal. I'm going to sit down and do nothing and just kind of like, boom, take a beat, take a breath. Um, and it's also saying no a lot more. I feel like um, I don't, I don't know about you, but New York City is like it's it's popping over the summer. So you feel like FOMO for everything. You're like, I need to be outside, and then I'm like, I actually don't need to be outside. It's fine, and you know, maybe today I don't have it in me, but maybe next week I will. And like giving myself the ability to just say no to things, and I don't have to do everything um, that comes my way. So yeah, I really relate to a lot of what you shared because talking all day. When the workday is done, I kind of don't want to talk to anyone. So I'm like, who wants to go for a walk and not talk to me? And we can just walk together. (laughs) Um, But it's, it's a, I feel that. And then I also feel that push and pull between I'm exhausted and I need alone time to recharge, but I also want to make sure I'm getting, checking the social box because if I don't hang out with my friends and do fun things, I'll be miserable as well. So it's like, I do feel like I'm trying to give up the like whatever when I'm not doing like I'm either not staying home and like having alone time or I'm not being social. So I'm trying to give myself more grace about whatever I'm doing right now is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing and it'll all be fine. Yeah, that's the word grace, honestly. Not going to get it every single time. I'm like, Marlon Park went off late this morning. I was like, I had all these plans to like get up and make my lunch and I did not and I was just like well you know what I still woke up thankfully with 
the time that I needed to get ready. Um, because my body was like, You're getting a little too much sleep right now. <laughs> <laughs> my body woke up like something's amiss. Um, you know, and like giving yourself grace to just it's it's ebbs and flows. Like mm-hmm. nobody's perfect. It's ebbs and flows. Well, I think you also brought up a great point of saying no. We all joke sometimes that I help people conmari their business because <laughs> 80% of what we have on our to-do list we don't have to do. And it's like somebody else's list, like mm-hmm. what a competitor's doing, what we think we should do, what our mom said we should do. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, I do believe that we can have it all, mm-hmm. but it has to be our all. It mm-hmm. can't be the culmination of everyone in our world's all because that's impossible. I can't, I can't do everything everyone else wants, but what do I really want my mm-hmm. have it all to look like? And most of us don't even ask ourselves that question. Like, what would it look like to have everything that you want hmm. and nothing else? You're like, Poof. yeah. Cause I, I mean, think just- especially for women, like a lot of what people think of us and what people want for us was created before we even existed. <laughs> you know, like before I was even a thought to my parents, it was like, women are going to be da 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 And it's like, no, that's not what it is. And um, allowing yourself to figure out your own pathway, you know? And and I think for me, boundaries at work is a huge thing and I'm not always good with it. I try to really turn off my, my phone like when I'm not on. Um, you know, still being available for emergencies as they are, but sometimes somebody's emergency is not yours and you can't own that, you know? Um, and so, yeah, saying no, having boundaries and recognizing that you're already doing enough. And sometimes it's us, us in our own head thinking like, oh, I need to do this. I need to do this. And then somebody will remind you like, you're actually doing fine. And like, you don't need to do everything today. And that list is never, honestly, the list is never going to get checked off all every day. It's not, um, especially speaking like, you know, being in a membership space, you know, I'll have a checklist of all this admin stuff that I want to do. And I'll end up having a conversation with a member for like, 30 minutes. And I'm like, oh, we need to connect again. Like, but that's like, that's a part of my role too. You know what I mean? And so giving yourself grace to, to go through all the things that may not always feel the most productive, but is, and also rest is productive. <laughs> I think we forget about that too. <laughs> yeah. Like sleeping should be on the to-do list. Do we give ourselves credit for actually sleeping? Yeah. I have a thing where like, I used to just be like, pack my calendar crazy even on the weekends and I started saying like just because I'm free does not mean I'm available and I have to keep telling me like it's a morning mantra almost for myself because I'm just like yeah I have free time this time but like what do you actually want to do with that time is it do you want to like go out or do you want to rest yeah my coach had to remind me that um alone time sleeping does not count as alone time yeah. I was like, oh yeah, thank you for that reminder. Yeah. So we ask everyone on the podcast where you put yourself on the powerful lady scale. If zero is an average everyday human and 10 is the most powerful lady you can imagine, where would you put yourself on that scale today and on average? Oh. Wow. I feel like I'll give myself a seven. I feel like there's so much more that I can do like in this life. There's so like I'm not even at the top of it yet, but I do think for who I am and like my work ethic and how I like take my career seriously, I give myself a seven because I 
a solid seven with the with the idea that there's room for improvement. And there's this is only like again the tip of the iceberg. So yeah. I've also been asking everyone, what do you need? This is a powerful, connected, resourceful community. What do you need? What do you want? What are you manifesting? How can we help you? Oh, what do I need? Um, I just got an assistant events manager, so I no longer need that. That was my biggest thing. <laughs> um, so that's already checked off. Um, hmm. I think... Hmm. I definitely feel like I need more only like women-centered spaces. Um, I think for me, I do have a lot of mentors, but I don't think enough in New York City necessarily. Um, So for me, it would be nice to like engage with women um, who are super busy and um, like maybe a little bit older than me who are balancing career and, and like love. I feel like that's a big thing for me right now. Um, I think I'm so busy that I don't always have time for like romantic partnerships. And I think there's this myth also that women who are um, goal-oriented and professionals um, don't always get that quote-unquote happy ending. And so I want to see how people navigate through that um, and see people who've done it well and hear from people and like their, you know, things that they wish that they've done better. Um, I also think I definitely need a jam session soon. I would love to work with some like other artists very soon. Um, I'm always trying to exercise that creative part of me. Um, and I just, yeah, I feel like it would be, it would be great to help you like produce something where you know, maybe we bring all these amazing dynamic women that are is in your network and like, let's just chat and chill and like learn. I think we need more mm-hmm. women-centered spaces. So that's what I would like to see. <laughs> I love all of that. All right. So for everyone listening, if you can help Monique <laughs> make that happen, you know how to contact me and you'll yeah, be able to. <laughs> and so for everyone who does want to help you, support you, hire you, work with Soho Works, like how can they find and follow you? Um, I think best thing is either you can follow me on LinkedIn. I do check it pretty often. You can look look me up again at Monique Xiao. M-O-N-I-Q-U-E is my first name. Last name is S-I-A-W. Um, so find me on LinkedIn. Say that you listen to this and we'll chat. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram. My Instagram is underscore uh, A-R-A-B-E-N-A. If you're wondering, it's pronounced Arabna. That is my like traditional African name. It means Lady Tuesday um, from where my, my family is from, um, the, day of the, the day of the week that I was born. So follow me, DM me. I'm pretty friendly. Um, and if you just want to say hello, like, yeah, message me. Very, very accessible. I will now be thinking of you as Lady Tuesday for the rest of your life. It's like such a cool name to have. You're like, yes, I'm Lady Tuesday. I have an entire day just for me. <laughs> Every week. Yeah. In our tribe, we like name um, our children after the day of the week. So there's always a male and female version of, of every name, which is pretty cool. <laughs> and where is that tribe? Um, it's from uh, my family's from Ghana. Um, so yeah. the Ashanti tribe, the Akan tribe, they, they name their children that way. <laughs> yeah. So cool. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to talk to me and share your story. 
Um, this truly has been such a pleasure and I cannot wait to get back out to New York soon so that yeah. we can hang out and do more fun things. Come on over. It was always a pleasure working with you and it's great to see this podcast grow and to see all the amazing work that you're doing with your coaching and you're creating a really great community. So I'm glad that I can kind of be a part of that. Thank you. Thank you for thinking of me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> of course. All the links to connect with Monique and Soho Works are in our show notes at thepowerfulladies.com. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening and leave us a rating and review. Come join us on Instagram at Powerful Ladies. And if you're looking to connect directly with me, visit caraduffy.com or cara underscore Duffy on Instagram. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, I hope you're taking on being powerful in your life. Go be awesome and up to something you love.